I always give credit to Liefeld saying that, look, when he, he does know comic history. And when he decides to be Rob Liefeld making observations, that's fine. When he decides to do that observation stuff, when it's the world according to Liefeld, which, you know, it's his show, he can do that. That's when it, it's very disappointing. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Spinner. I'm here with the boys, PD and Kyle. Say what's up, gents. What up? Ready to rock. Hey, today we're talking about Doctor Strange, Rob's Servation. He's talking about the creation of Doctor Strange, who is the one behind it. Um, there's, I don't think there's much uh, a controversy on this, but there has been some issues with it over the years. I like to just play the issue, the, um, the, the Rob's Servation, a part of that, about what he says about the creation of Doctor Strange. Selector, please play. All right, we just have audio for this. There's no video. Yes. Over this 40 okay. So uh, here's the deal. Stan, uh, you know, in the comics reader in 1963, published by, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Jerry Bales, B-A-I-L-S, okay, uh, says straight out, okay, he says, you ask for some future plans. This is Stan writing in the comics reader. Well, we have a new character in the works for Strange Tales, which is where Doctor Strange is going to debut. Just a five-page filler for a character named Doctor Strange. Steve Ditko is going to draw him. It's got sort of a black magic theme, reading directly from Stan's typewritten, typewritten statement. The first story is nothing great, but perhaps we can make something of him. Twas all Steve's idea. And I figured we'd give it a chance. Although again, we had to rush the first one too. Little sidelight, originally decided to call him Mr. Strange, but the thought of Mr. was too similar to Mr. Fantastic. Now, however, I just remember we had a villain called Dr. Strange just recently in one of our mags. Hope it won't be too confusing. Oh, well, right there, I have it highlighted. The first story is nothing great, but perhaps we can make something of him was all Steve's idea. Okay. Again, a group of retailers were shuffling this around and, uh, you know, you sit there and you go, Dr. Strange, you know, the movie that we saw is, uh, came to us past Steve's death and Steve did go, uh, very much, um, protested in every, possible way uh, <clears throat> that both Spider-Man, which we've covered a little, and Doctor Strange was completely his uh, his creation. Okay. Why is he getting you mad then, um, PD? Give us a head. No, no. Let's, um, well, I don't hey, You got you to gotta compose that anger. We got to do this right. Okay. I, my issue is not that it's not true. It is definitely true. It's the statement he said after that, the statement that he said after that is that Steve Ditko has been yelling and screaming, this is not his exact words, that he created Spider-Man and Doctor Strange by himself. And he did not do that. When he left Marvel, he left Marvel. He said nothing. It wasn't until 1985 when Jack Kirby said that he created Spider-Man he only spoke about creation when Jack Kirby said he created it by himself. And then they, Sam and Jack gave it to Steve to work on. 
And Jack Kirby's proof was like, look, I drew the cover, I designed it, then we gave it to um, Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko said, that cover is the second cover, Stan rejected my cover. Jack did do a five page story, which was rejected after I said, it sounds like the fly. So me and Stan came up with other ideas. So there was different, this was more involved than the five pages that we were doing and this, that, and the other. So then at the same time, when Stan has said that he created something by himself, when he said he created Dr. Strange, that's when Dicko wrote in and said, no, Stan said at this point, it what it, it was, was Steve's idea, right? So he said that, and then I think at some point where he took Spider-Man by himself, he just wrote it and said, no, when no, he said he said that he created the um, when he plotted the lifting the the machinery, Stan has said that well I only I wrote a plot that was only for a couple of pages and Steve expanded it and and Steve Dicko wrote back in say no in that period I was plotting um, me and Stan wasn't talking Stan cut me off around issue um, I think it was issue I think eighteen but I got started getting plotting credit around 25 and I think the machinery thing is around issue was issue 33 or something like that so he said there was no point where Stan would have given me a plot for it because we weren't actually talking during that period so he just corrected but then we also have these these articles oh damn I gotta turn off this thing this is terrible my lighting is so bad okay, here just, just tell us about the article Don't the articles talk about basically talking about the comic industry it points out some of the stuff that Stan said, and it compares what what's articles? Hmm? what articles. It's um, it's uh, it's all these um self-published thing by um Steve Ditko. These packages, which he called these these comics, or sort of art things of these magazines, which have articles from Steve Ditko that was packaged from him and um Robin Snyder. They put together this thing, and basically he would talk about the comic industry in general, talk about some of the stuff Stan said. And basically, that's where we get the article where um, um, Stanley wrote he considered um, Steve Ditko the co-creator of Spider-Man. So there was no point where Steve Ditko wanted sole credit. Naturally, he didn't want to do anything with Spider-Man after that. He was like, they tried to get him to do it. He was like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. He was like, he didn't want to be compared to what he had done before. Obviously, you know, as a you know, you're older in age, you don't want to just sit around and try to compete with, hey, it's not as good as what, what he did in the first place. There's no way to do that. So ultimately in this the package, the 32 um, test test that he did, he compares the comments that Stan said, but he has a scale saying that, looking at, um, what's that thing, um, Dr. Strange and um, him, their creator, he has Stan there as a part of Dr. Strange. He doesn't take him out. Same with Spider-Man. So it's like he hasn't gone and said, I want sole credit for anything. That might be on the other side of um, Jack Kirby, but Steve Ditko didn't want to talk about it at all. Well, all these... to bring, let's stop bringing Jack Kirby's name in this. We're talking about Stoli Stan and- No, I'm not going, that's not off the beaten path. Yeah, we're going that's off the beaten path. No, it's not. Because if, if we have someone that's take, saying that he did everything and Stan did nothing, we have another creator saying that, hey, he has a bunch of his, um other newsletters saying that, hey, all these early issues, me and Stan, you know, Stan would talk, Stan would give me a plot, I would, we would talk it out, we'd work on this stuff, and then we would, then Stan would give me his issues, I would give him my issues, and that back and forth, you know, we'd have on the book, you know, like, they really had interest in making this book successful, and that sort of thing, so it wasn't, 
It wasn't like he was just doing all these things to say how bad him, you know, how bad Stan was. He was just saying they had difference of opinion, you know, and, and Stan, Ditko would like to sort of discuss it. So I don't like this thing where people just go in and say, well, he just, when he said he created everything, he's not, he didn't do that. He didn't want to talk about it at all. And he, he left it. He didn't want to do any more Spider-Man. When he came back to Marvel, he would do anything else. And they would try to slip in some Spider-Man stuff. And he would like, <laughs> he would say no. And the same with Doctor Strange. So my thing is just, you know, sort of taking Ditko and turning him into the guy who was just, you know, going out there and saying, Stan did this. He's, he basically said his issue that Stan just stopped talking to him. And that was it. So, you got anything? You got anything to say, Mars? Before yeah, I get so, in this. So yeah, I just wanted to confirm. So the creator of Strange was Ditko and Stanley. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Say say what you're saying again. I was about to, about to jump in. I didn't know yeah, what you were so going to say. I, I my my mistake. So you thought I was going to say something to that field. All I'm just confirming is you agree Ditko and Stanley were the creators of um, of um, Doctor Strange, right, Petey? I believe, yeah. I mean, and that, and that, and that, and, that, and as well, that Stanley was the creator of the rest of the Mar the Marvel pantheon. Whoa, whoa! Didn't you just say that we weren't going to go and complete and bring all a whole bunch of additives in, and now you're trying to do that with this statement? We're just on Doctor Strange, Stanley's contribution, Steve Ditko's contribution. That's the Those are the parameters that you set, and that's where we're going to stay. But that's what I said. Yeah, you said I couldn't even bring up um, Kirby. That's, that's, uh, well, I'm saying, well, then let's say all the other Stan, words. Stanley and Jack Kirby. Stanley, Jack Kirby, Stanley, and Steve Ditko, or Stanley and anybody else you work with are always going to be different scenarios because it's different, you know, it's it's just a different dynamic. The only constant with any of them, Stanley. That's it. This situation, however, is just a little bit different because we already, Stan already acknowledges that the idea begins with Steve Ditko. So this isn't like a situation where like, hey, you know, I came up with Spider-Man and so on and so forth and Stan might contend. He already said, no, this was the, you know, the initial idea comes from Steve Ditko, it's five pages, so on and so forth. But this is a character, uh, I know people don't really like to do nuance too well, but there's a difference with the character that's created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and a character that's created by Steve Ditko with Stanley, because this character sounds like, all right, he already has the basic ideas of what the character was supposed to do. And from what I've read and from what I've heard, Stan comes in and applies more of the finishing touches, more of the story ideas, the name. So it's not a complete work of Steve Ditko. And, you know, Stanley does help in the creation of it. It might be 80% done by the time he gets to Stan, it may be 90% done, but Stanley does have a hand in the in the final creation, the creation of Doctor Strange, and without a doubt, okay, that uh, that classic run of Strange Tales that happens with all those stories and the other characters and uh, the other characters that come in there. So that's the way that I've always, that is the way that I've always looked at it. But this is the only situation that I know of. I don't know if the any others that really apply, but this is like a character where, if I'm working on a character and I've got eighty percent of the character done, and somebody else comes in and finishes it off. Well, I can't really, I would say it was created with them as opposed to it was created, you know, by me or by the both of us. Like we both created the character from the ground up. Superman by Joe Shuster 
Jerry Siegel, Dr. Strange, Steve Ditko with Stanley is how I would always approach it. Now, the trouble with that, nobody really does nuance. Everybody just wants to know, everybody wants a yes or no answer, who did it, so on and so forth. So taking that, and I'm pretty much gonna throw it all out the window, they, it was created by the both of them because you can't get, even if it's, even if it's 95 and five, it's still created by the both of them. And then you can argue as to how much somebody created or what percentage of the contribution was one person or another's, but it's still created by the both of them. Yeah, and I think I said that, I agree with you 100%. So we, there's no controversy then gentlemen, that once again, like we're just following us, say Dr. Strange was created by both Ditko and Stanley and that Stanley created the man, the Marvel Pantheon. So I think we have- um, That's a totally another show, man. You, you talk about the, the whole Marvel Pantheon and you're, you're kicking up dust over here and you're gonna start people with some flame war at the end of the day. We're just talking about this, okay? We're just talking about this. I mean, if we wanted to go into the Marvel Pantheon, there's a whole bunch of characters nobody cares about the Stanley had a hand in and probably created on his own, including the uh, that Doctor Strange villain that he says, oh, you know, what about this guy over here? Okay, nobody's arguing about those type of things. We're just talking about this right now. Please don't make trouble, okay? I can see the smile. Please don't make trouble. Let's just, I think we can really do a good job with this. We can just finesse this one and move on and everybody learns something and we don't have to go over here like Steve Ditko was some victim like Rob Liefeld was trying to portray him out to be or he was jumping up and down, hot and mad and so on and so forth. That's not the history either. I think we're in a good place. Can we please well, stay there, Mars? Can we please stay there? I would I would only say there's a slant to this going into, because he also mentioned in there that he mentioned Kirby in the observation saying, Kirby won, you know, the <laughs> Kirby won the, the suit where it's a, a settlement similar, no, well, not similar, but they basically had a long trial. I think basically Neil Adams, you know, kind of talked with the Warner Brothers people and they figured out a number that was good, which of course is, has increased over the years. Um, I think trying to bring in this whole thing of, you know, like who created what, and it's kind of going to the slant of Deadpool or um, those guys, and then Cable characters that were introduced with one or scripter. Deadpool was introduced with Rob Plotting and um, and um, Fabian Ascensor being the scripter, and then you have Cable, who was someone on um, Rob Liefeld's sketch, you know, sketchbook. That and Louis Simonson. Louis Simonson wrote the story. And um, I think who was it? Um, obviously, obviously Rob went his own There's way. No, no, well, but he didn't really have too much. He didn't have any. Clement didn't have anything to do with Cable. But basically, the, they wanted a command. You know, they wanted a more of a drill sergeant, and they looked through Rob's um, thing, and they picked out um, Cable, and they picked out a bunch of characters that were on there that they were going to do stories for similar to what um, Dave Cockman did with the original X-Men, but they wanted to do that. And, and Louise added some stuff to it as being the writer and saying, oh, we'll use this character. And that's not strange for Marvel to be like, hey, um, I want to use this, this idea. Are you, you still using that idea? The same with um, the growing costume. That was something that was going to be introduced in um, Iron Fist. And then Roger Stern said, hey, oh, you know, I'm thinking about using that for Spider-Man. And that became the, the the alien costume, but this became for Rob being like, I did this stuff. These are my creations. I created it, and he's kind of doing this slant to say, Hey, see 
how a an artist can come up with an idea and Steve Ditko was fighting mad, you know, saying how much he created this stuff and like, like turned it into, you know, what was Steve, where Steve was like, you know, no pictures, no nothing. I don't need to talk about this stuff unless you take the credit away from me. <laughs> so I just think there's a slant to this, which I don't think is necessary. This thing has been in print. Steve Ditko has already replied when, you know, Stan had said that it was, you know, Doctor Strange was his creation and it's all handled and no one has moved back. No one's taken from him. No one's trashed him after, after Ditko said that. So, or another thing that's like, oh, here's the the same, like, um, you know, people finding the monster times where Stanley said Kirby, you know, plotted and did stories for the Fantastic Four. Like, we've got this thing, this thing that is not an archaeological dig, it's in print. The fact that, you know, people didn't do the research to find it isn't... It's, it's on Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah. That is true. That is true. It's not even that, it's not that hard to, I mean, literally, it's, it's so easy to find. You can just wiki that. Okay. Thank you. It's not a deep. It's not a deep Google search. It's right Thank there. You. Except for you downplaying the fact that um, Chris Claremont helped to create the Nathan Summers character. Which oh, you going on that thing? See, that's the um, thing. I think, I think that's, that. that that going that goes into another thing because I think Eric Larson said that the plan was that Cable was going to be was it was they had a different origin for um, Cable. But the money factor into connecting um, Nathan to, um, I don't know, but Robbins has said that that was his plan initially, but I don't think it was. I think Eric Larson said it was a different character that, um, that, that Cable was going to be. But I haven't read it in so long. But now, yeah, I, I guess you can, since they had the long line of Marvel sort of creation, and Nathan Summers is a creation of Chris Claremont. I have to give in. What can I do? It's a classic saying that you got to put everyone in there. I stand corrected. But see, who wants to take the sole credit for it? Rob. He always planned for it to be Nathan Summers. He always planned that. <laughs> well, we we all know Rob is going to be Rob. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and so listen, in that observation, uh, he, he mentioned quite a few different things. Yes. Uh, Moon Knight, he touched based on the whole thing with, I mean, of course, it was supposed to be who created uh, 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 who created Doctor Strange, but the very fact that he also went on to, to Kirby and the issues that he had with, um, he kind of touched on that. Tell us that. Tell us that stuff. Oh, I mean, no, I'm. You can clearly say that, but the point is, I'm. Just no, no, I'm saying tell because I don't remember. I didn't get to listen to that part. He was yeah. just about to say that after that passage. That's when I got incensed. Was that before, or after the bass intro? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, just, that's when I, cra I had a crash. I crashed the car when he said the, the Ditko thing, and I was just like, just go out and buy a Ditko pack. And I was like, what do I got this stuff here for? I, said, I got these great articles, these uh, things that have been sitting in John Hanley's universe. If you know that comic store, they've been yeah. sitting in there for, for like years. And it's but, like, but the question that really comes out is that, I mean, like the very fact that, and, and I'm going to go back to this again, saying about Stanley being the creator of the pantheon of, um, of, of, of Marvel. The very fact, while he may not have written every single thing, the very fact that he was the editor pushed it, um, was a great proponent of it. He wrote about it in, 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 and spoke about it wherever he went. 
made him sell. He was the main salesman for this whole Marvel stuff, regardless of whether some people say, well, he had no, um, if he didn't write it, if he didn't like edit it, then he really didn't have anything to do. And I totally disagree. No, that's ridiculous because we just did a show like, uh, we just touched on this with Mort Wessinger, where mm-hmm. an editor, an editor's reach is is like octopi okay they got their hand in everything i'm giving you the plot i'm directing this you could you can be a writer you can come up with a story it could be a great story if the editor says it's not going to fly it's not going to happen okay you create a character they're like hey well i created this character no 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 editor doesn't want it doesn't happen okay and but most of the, the big difference with stanley is that stanley is the rare i mean out of there's no other person like him he was the only person who was uh, literally, he was the uh, master of ceremony when it came to Marvel. Otherwise, nobody would even know this guy. He was a exactly. guy, he was such a, like you just said, he was such a big spokesman when it comes down to the whole thing. And these people are like, oh, well, if he didn't write it, he's the editor. This guy had control over more stuff than the average person can imagine when it comes to the execution of these things. And they want dis- to distill this to that. Well, did you actually write? I'm like, like no. Most of these things, I mean, there's like stories with him and his brother, Larry, where Larry, uh, Larry Lieber would come up with something or he did some story ideas. And Stan was like, this is trash. You can't do it. He's like, no, we're not running any of this. We're going to do a reprint in this issue or something of that nature. You got to take this story back, work it all over again. So what does that do? If you have a story idea and the editor says no, forces you to go back, rewrite it, helps you rewrite it, gets it to the point where it is, and then you publish it, it's still your story? And that happens all the time. That still happens. You know, it was such a it was such a sausage making fest at the end of the day, with the, you know how the style was at that point. Now, of course, everybody's a lot more protective. Oh, because you know this could be the next big thing, which it isn't. But you know, this could be the next big thing. So I got to make certain I have my hands all over this. And that was not the case. And that was not how the way that it worked in comics. You know, Golden Age, Silver Age, Atomic Age. Bronze Age didn't just just didn't work like that. And Rob Liefeld, I'm certain he understands this. I always give credit to Liefeld saying that look, when he he does know comic history, and when he decides to be Rob Liefeld making observations, that's fine. When he decides to do that observation stuff, when it's the world according to Liefeld, which you know it's his show, he can do that. That's when it, it's very disappointing because he can come across with do some really good show like when he did uh, on Bucky and the. Uh, you know the, the the usage of Bucky over the course of the over the course of the years in Marvel uh, Universe history that it wasn't he wasn't just dormant character until the Winter Soldier Ace you know kudos for that but then he'll come with this like no man no that's your slant at the end of the day it's not fair to Ditko it's not fair to Stan and it's not fair to you at the end of the day just you know if you got a if you got a perspective okay but don't come and give us this slant where people are going to run off like somehow you know Ditko was jilted or he never got credit when a quick you know when literally when a five second wiki search will take you right there to the to a fat quote showing exactly what it was that Stan Lee said back in 1963. Well that's no I'm gonna gonna say sorry that's the that's that part well that the kill me with the observations in comparison to observations but um <laughs> that the thing that he also talked about was he brought in he started in with the Joe Casey stuff talking about America Chavez being in Doctor Strange and the fact that you know him he signed a deal that ultimately doesn't lead him to get that much money out of the character which we've talked about before and he talks about there's a sentiment growing but he brought up some sort of sentiment 
where people are like going at Joe Casey and it's just like, no, let's stick to the sentiment of you, at this point of signing a deal and then changing your mind saying, hey, and then he's not, not only did Joe Casey, you know, he created his own with Image around the same time saying, all right, I don't got it. I'm going to create my own character for Image Comics. And the fans should have went with him with the creator, but they're like, no, now Marvel's doing it. All the people going this way. But I think the slant that he's trying to go is that this negative thing against Joe Casey started going happening around. And now I don't know about that, but at the same time, there is a sentiment which we said is that if you sign this deal, then at this day, day and age, when you can take these characters anyway, which he did, he, he did a mock version for Image and Image would publish. And ultimately, Image would have published America Chavez from Joe Casey. He's a, He's enough of a name to get a title, but it, you know that's also ultimately, you know, the chance of dying on the vine where it doesn't do anything. You're just like, well, there's here's Joe Casey's Code Flesh. You know, Joe Casey did all this great stuff. He did Children of the Atom. He's done Cable, this, that, and the other. But no one is going crazy over Code Flesh. You know, they re republished it. They had it was a Charles Allard, the guy who did The Walking Dead. That's, that's, that should not be a hit. No, it doesn't turn into a movie, nothing. But it's like, not to say that it's bad, but it's just like, you can die on the vine on your creations and you don't have to sign at Marvel. And that's the only thing I think we were trying to say. And I think some people are trying to say, there might be a negative thing saying, hey, you know, that it could be, I mean, maybe that's going too far. Maybe Marvel or Disney should be nice and give them, and well, they did give him, but you know, he obviously wants some sort of participation now. So they did offer him some money and he kind of was like, no. And then now he's kind of, they had an article about it. But I think kind of slamming it that, hey, all these guys are attacking the creator. He's the creator. And it's just like, okay, um, let's first say the, the sentiment started out of saying this. And let's just not just go to the slant of saying, let's stick to where it is, where it's that. You sign this thing at a stage where there was so many places to take your ideas and not get stuck into the Marvel thing and still turn it, hey, Marvel, do the right thing like well, Kirby. Like, no, that's totally different. <laughs> that's totally different. Like Kirby, you know, Kirby was also, as you saw, as Cal was saying, was a workhorse. So it's like, I think when they were thinking that they needed to make new characters, that's why you see in the Fantastic Four, they were making new characters and they were creating characters that, oh, these characters might be in their own book, the Inhumans in the, in the mid 60s and maybe the black panther and such and they go oh, no we're not going to get that shelf space we don't need to do it and that sort of thing so it's kind of so they kind of pulled back and the only thing that came out was what i think the silver surfer and whatnot around that time so you know it's a thing of trying to draw in all the stuff of the you know it's obviously it's easy to do the evil creator evil evil company the uh, you know the, the david the, the the creator that got nothing when it's like you go into the deal, there's Image. He's already worked with Image. He's worked with all these other companies. It's really hard to immediately kind of turn everyone into Kirby and say, "How could they do this? How can they turn? How can they do this to uh, see Siegel, Schuster, Kirby, and Joe Casey, and and um, and Ed Brubaker? How could this happen? Like uh, you know, like well, um, there's places to go. It's not as you know, people talk about Image." You have image. You have the image well, guys who gave you the, the, the at that time. At that time, yeah, you have. I mean, it's not Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. It's not 1938. 
<clears throat> sorry, 1938. You have other places that you can go. I keep reminding uh, listeners that there was also a concerted movement against these guys that they were not going to create new characters for Marvel or they were not going to give their best ideas to Marvel or DC. They were going to save those for their independent works and thereby like an independent music person, they were going to get all their money instead of having to get a point system with the uh, with the record company. And also to remind people that the comic books is not the record company. It's not, it's not a sleazy, nowhere near it. Yeah. But <clears throat> it's also to remind, that's something that I think Rob should bring up. Liefeld created, I don't know how many characters this guy created. Once he found out that he could get a percentage, he was, he was just creating characters. Okay? And I, he created a lot of characters that were, were very, you know, derivative of other characters. I'm sorry to yeah. jump in. But still, yeah, but he could still take it as his. And he was like, hey, it's a parody, <laughs> but still mine, right? Okay, we all know we all know the foundation for Deadpool. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows Wade Wilson. Everybody knows Wade Wilson, Slade Wilson. It shouldn't be too big of a deal for anybody to put this, but it's still his character. That's criminal, okay? though. That's criminal. Hey, it's criminal. <laughs> it's criminal. It's not cool, but he played by the he played by the rules as they were set at that point. Can't be angry with him. And have to respect the fact that he said, Hey, if on the just on the chance that one of these characters hits, I'm good. And so once he realized that, he created his characters. I don't know what happened because that was a situation in the 90s where these guys were doing this. And then you get to the 2000s and nobody's doing that any longer. They're not getting that sort of deal. And I'm like, okay, fine. But then no one knows, nobody knows in 2006 that by 2022, Marvel's going to be making billion dollar movies every other week. You know, so the whole idea is like, no, I'm going to do these sorts of things. Well, that's what you did. And these are the things, and uh, these are the things that happened afterwards, so on and so forth. Everybody who was an adult knew what was happening. Uh, the, the but to slant the whole, to go back to this Ditko, don't slant this stuff. Don't try to make Ditko out to be some you know, boys crying off in the wilderness or something. It's all documented. We know what the situation is. Just you know, if you want to comment on it, fine. You got your your opinions on it, fine. But let's not slant the actual situation as to what was going on. My last bit on Ditko. And here, everyone says that, what's the name? Who's that guy? Um, Martin Goodman owed him money. In here, he says, I never talked to Martin Goodman. <laughs> I only heard through Stan. It's like, he said, hey, why are you doing the Sergeant Fury book, Stan? And he's like, oh, Martin asked me to do it. You know, that's what he said. Nothing happened unless Martin said so. But he didn't have any, he said uh, he didn't have any connection to him. So it was just like people that, no, he went and he wanted his creator percentage from from Martin Goodman, else he wouldn't work for them. <laughs> it's like, no, he didn't. I think ultimately he did the idea of the, the page size changing, and he wanted to stay like in, in Charlton. The page size was still pretty large, so he wanted to. He went also. That was one of the other things. His his leaving Marvel was very, you know, what he described it was like, hey, just making the decision that um. You know, and having to go through go-betweens like Flo and um, Sal Brodsky saying, it's like, oh, we haven't talked in a while, so let me just go. <laughs> and he just kind of exited. He didn't want, it's one of, I think it's, com it's, a, it's not the comic, it's um, the comics, this article by Robin, um, or, you know, this um, newsletter by um, Robin Schneider, where he just basically talks about making the decision after the second um, annual to kind of bail on it, so. But it's not anything about creed my books my money they got it <laughs> so anyway that's me mars i think i cut you off anything you want to add in there 
Yeah, there's just two more things a little bit separate from both of these. One is that I, Rob made a couple of different observations while in that particular um, podcast. So number one, well, not number one, but yeah, let's say number one was that he was saying that you shouldn't be um, running after comics in terms of prices because he was talking about how Moon Knight, the price, you know, went pretty crazy, he said, and that he suggested that you shouldn't buy it until, you know, a couple of months afterwards because by then the price will probably settle. But he said you should focus on buying what is the, 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 that you're interested in and the runs that you want. What are you guys- Well, well hold on that. So, so Cal, what do you say to that? Um, what? About not waiting to out to buy those books. Wait till you find out if it's a hit or not. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, that's, he he said in that's one a, of the other ones that hey, he had you know he bought most of those Captain Americas when he heard that they were going to do a John Walker. And he bought all of those things, and the, the numbers skyrocketed when the TV show came out. Why would he tell you to, to hold off? Now, said, now, if you're going to buy Moon Knight because you want to collect it or you want to sell it, you're in a tough you're in a tough position because now this is peak period right here. There's a show out. There's interest, such as there may be. Expect to pay more money. What? If you were looking to buy it before, hey, that was great because the prices were rising towards the show. And then, yeah, you'll probably see some drop off once the show is done. But if they choose to continue on with Moon Knight as a character, you know, you're going to have a pocket where, okay, say like the Boba Fett show where the Boba Fett show wasn't very well received. At one point, I think a graded copy of his book was like, <clears throat> oh, it might have been like $1,200, $1,500. People thought the show sucked all of a sudden, and that's the sellers, because the sellers are now like, oh, I gotta get my money. <laughs> I gotta get my money. So they start slashing the price because they're trying to move this thing at the end of the day. They don't want to get stuck with it. So like, okay. But Boba Fett is always gonna be there as a character. He's still a very much fan love character. Everybody will give him a second chance. And if they decide to use Moon Knight further on, those books are still gonna be there. So I don't know how much drop-off you can expect, but you know, most of the guys like me are just going to hold to their price because they're like hey this isn't the last time we're going to see this character this is not the daredevil movie from the 90s well i got to get this money now because you know hey we already know this is like a you know we never know what's going to happen you expect to see moon knight again and expect to have to pay some money for it interesting all right, all right so uh, what was the second part you had a second part after that right, I'm saying just just so the, the, the point moon knight he was just giving the example but Anyone basically should be following the stars that they want, as opposed to he was his his point was that people were like, oh, this is going to be in the movie. This is going to be in the movie. This is why you got to buy it. And he's like, well, you never know. A lot of those are hit and misses, and therefore you can't. So we can't fault him on that type of logic, right? Yes, we can fault him on that type of logic. If you're buying for the for the numbers, you're buying to be a seller. You got to buy beforehand. That's what he was saying. He said earlier when he was talking about John Walker. If you're in interested in keeping it, yes. Don't try to jump in on and try to read the comic books while these, this book is hot as anything. You know, don't just well, wake up. I'm not sure what he's saying because on one hand, he's playing the speculation market <laughs> like everybody else. He's like, oh, I saw a thing, John Walker. I picked up these books. He's not keeping that stuff. He doesn't care about it. That's not original John Bernard. He doesn't care about that. So he's going to sell the. He's gonna sell that stuff as soon as he gets, you know, it's like, you know, it's like penny stock. All right, I got in. I'm gonna to wait till it appreciates oh the right amount for me, and then God. I'm gonna dump, and then I'm gonna dump this stuff. That's pretty much where he's at with it. Okay, that's fine. <clears throat> but if you're advising other people, it depends.
depends on what they're doing. And if they're speculating like you, then yeah, they need to get in very early and then know when they're supposed to be getting supposed to be getting out. If they're buying to collect, that's something different. I can't tell somebody when to come. You say, look, if you're buying to collect the stuff and you're planning on keeping it, then yeah, you try to get it early. But if there's going to be interest and this character is going to be viable, at, at some point you just got to buy it if you really want it. And the trouble is that a lot of these comics are just laying around. You even and you got stuff that are you got stuff with classic stories, classic art that you can get. You could have gotten a whole set of uh, JLA versus Avengers. You could have got that for twenty bucks, if that. You probably could have gotten it cheaper, you know, depending on because there was a lot of copies of it. And then, you know, we hear about George Perez. You know, you know his, you know his health going to be. He's terminal. And the next thing you know, sets are two hundred and fifty dollars. So unfortunately, with comic books, uh, the interest in comics of comic readers does not drive the price of these books. The interest to other people outside of comics tends to drive the price a lot more. This character is going to be in a movie. This character could be the next big thing. This character could be the next Superman, Spider-Man, whatever it is. Got to get this book now. Got to get this book. Because otherwise, these books have been just sitting around for years, for decades. Decades. And then you have a character like America Chavez. Nobody cared about her. Okay? Until they thought, hey, wait a minute. She might be the next big thing. And then with the movie, yeah, a lot of stuff happens. It spikes, it skyrockets, and people look at it as a good investment. So and that's glad- pretty much what that's pretty much where it is. If you are looking to be a collector, that's a different track. If you're looking to speculate, that's a different track. But the one thing that I will tell you, comic books are not like those prices that you're seeing, that's not determined by comic readers. It's not. Because if it was, those prices would have been there a long time ago. That's determined by the interest of people coming into the comic market thinking that yes, this is something more viable than what comic readers thought it was. <clears throat> Thank you. So, I mean, that's exactly, and I'm glad you brought up the whole America Chavez. So that was the second point he was making about, you know, he didn't know anything about America Chavez. He didn't know about many of these different characters. So he says, you know, he reads, but he doesn't read everything. Why are we listening to you? As, 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 as Kyle Reese said to Rob. So sorry, keep going. I just had to do that joke. I, I want to go back to the penny stocks too. That Cal, that penny stocks one, that was a good one. Sorry, keep going. I apologize. Well, but that was the point that he was just making. And then it's hard for comic book readers right now to keep on top of every single art, every single character and story that's going on. There's so many, there's, first of all, there's so many comics out there. There's so many- Oh, please, they're lazy. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Comics, I you, do it. You read all of them? I do it. Hmm? You, don't you, have to, you don't have to read all of them. And even back in the day, I didn't read all of them and I could still figure out what was going on between Marvel Age, talking to other people, you know, it wasn't that hard to sort out what's going on. And Petey knows, I've been on record. I'm not an X-Men reader. And I could still tell you like the top 10 plots that were going on at the time. It's not that hard. Okay. okay the, collecting well, comics was not just about collecting the books that I liked. It was about immersing yourself in that universe. <laughs> right? So I may have read Superman. Sure, that was the gateway into the DC universe for me. But I still could tell you about all these other characters based on the interaction that they would have with Superman. Uh, these particular events that were going on. You didn't have to read every single book, but you did have to immerse yourself in the universe. And if you're not willing to do that, then yeah, it's going to be really hard. Especially if the only reason why you care is because the character's about to make an appearance in a movie, which is where they are at the end of the day. These guys don't fool me, right? You don't, don't, you, come on, come on. It's not that hard. Well, I would, uh, that's, I mean, I'm, this is in uh, definite agreement of if you have interest and i understand he doesn't want to look to the public that hey i don't have any interest in 
uh, America Chavez. And that's the thing. If you're interested, what you're interested in, you go and check out. What you're not interested, you don't read. That's that's the long. That's that's the only way to describe it. Or else, hey, there's too much stuff. Not if it's something I'm interested in. You know, like that's the thing. Now yep. I think Marvel's doing like these. You know, they're doing these. Um, I always kind of check out when the thing is out there. They they ended one series and now they're doing a, a Hulk. Well, no, it's not going to be a team up, but it's going to be a the guy from the Matrix is doing the thing series. I guess it's going to be another six issue thing. I might check it out, but that's the thing. It has to be something of interest for you to kind of check out. What guy from the Matrix? Huh? You know, C-Scrolls. Who's the guy from the Matrix? Guy, from the Matrix? No, no. C-Scrolls, the artist who okay. did the, what's the names? Uh, the art, the, one of those guys that worked with the Wachowskis on the, what's that, Ectopid okay. and whatnot. And he did Wolverine and he did Gambit, a bunch of things. So he's doing a miniseries. Or, I don't know. They're, not, they're leaving it open-ended now. Now they're doing new number ones but not letting you know it's a mini series <laughs> so it's uh you know but that's, that's the thing if you're interested in it, he's interested in it then check it out i don't for the way this type of books and stuff he does that's not a female character he would have created or have any interest in so i mean obviously you gotta you gotta be honest about this thing he's into everything in marvel he's watching all the movies he's still talking comic books he sees when someone else is doing something, he's, he's he got the finger on the pulse. And no America Chavez, that's because you're not interested. It's okay. That's yeah, like me with DC right now. The majority of the stuff with DC, like I could care less about it. But then they came, we got up, we got dark crisis. Like, oh, another crisis? I'm there. <laughs> okay, I'm there. And I'm pretty sure if right. I read that, I'm going to get plugged into a whole bunch of other stuff that has happened. And, I'll, and in terms of interesting, in terms of interest, because I want to understand that more, I'll probably go and read some of the other stuff so I can get on. That, that's all that it is. These guys are talking more about speculation. How can I know who's the new character and the first appearances and all that type of stuff? And even that, they've, they've uh, really distilled that down where you can go with YouTube and they can tell you every week, you know, you can go to websites and they can tell you every week. These are all the first appearances for the week. You don't have to read a damn thing. Just, just have the money. Yeah. Mars? Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I mean, I, I still think that it's like, it's still, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of media people have to consume and there's a lot of stuff that have to happen. So I, look, we're, we're not going to belabor this point, but just wanted to just bring out those couple of points from Rob's observation. Um, so, I mean, if you like, hey, if you really like what Rob is saying, I suggest you listen to Rob's observation. Um, he does bring out some interesting points. He is a little controversial on some of the points that he makes. You have a check with Rob too? He's, yeah. he's getting a check from Marvel. We don't have to worry about the, his check to Marvel. I mean, sorry to say, you know, I've already been in one argument with him online. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about him coming here and flipping out. Or he could just he could just hash it out. There's nothing. What terrible and, dude said? And say, I was uh, in one. I was I was in one tentative argument with him years ago, but it didn't go. It didn't go too far, thankfully. All I, all I pointed out is Ditko isn't the guy saying I, 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 I totally created characters by myself. Never said that. And I pointed, he did a cover for Wolverine. He did a cover for Wolverine. I said it was an homage of uh, that Incredible Hulk cover that Todd McFarlane did. And he was like, no, it's not. <laughs> he was like, that cover's been oh. done before. He's like, that cover's been done before, well before Todd McFarlane, this, that, and the other. And I was like, yeah, okay, but I'm pretty sure nobody knows that. It's, it's going to be the... 
it's going to be incredible home 340 the time McFarland one but hey wow which cover he was saying it was done from oh man i'd have to oh, man i'd have to go back and look at it again because i really don't remember i kind of i really just put it out of my mind you once, he said, once, <laughs> once he once he said that you know i i made the connection very quickly that oh i forgot rob and todd don't get on so the last thing he wants to do is uh, say that he's homaging anything to do with him. So I was just like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. <clears throat> the guy said he only did um, 10 in his um, New Mutants thing. He only did 10 homages to to other creators. And I think that's where, that's obviously why Peter, he has issue with Peter David. He's like, I forgot about the double page, you know, the double page spread that he took from um, from George Perez. And George Perez was did a thing on, what's that, um, CompuServe? complaining about um, swipes. So it's like, you know, I know everyone, Gentleman George, but at the same time, he wasn't too keen on the idea of swipes or regular swipes, that sort of thing. So uh, Gentleman George was still ready to throw down. (laughs) But you know, he said it probably in the nicest way. So, (laughs) but anyway, sorry, you closing the show out and um, you were giving, you were giving him his accolades for the creations of so many characters that people love, like Cable and Deadpool, which have been very successful for Marvel, right? He did. He created that stuff, or co-created that stuff. I can't say we can't say co-creator, or else we'll get in trouble. We'll get attacked. I don't know what else to say to you. Two. I'm just tired. So listen, everybody, if you like, no, what no, you're no. I'll say this and then we can close out. I don't like it when people come across a comic book history. Like this is some recently discovered stuff. Like people never knew about it before that people like me, people like Petey, we were not interested in more than just the four colors and the panels on the page that we didn't have some actual intellectual interest in the creation and the goings on of the hobby and the medium that we frequented on a basis. There were all of these, and I, I've said this before, there were all of these comic magazines, journals, that, you know, articles with the creators, all this stuff. We consumed a whole bunch of that stuff. So for now to come like, oh, well here, here's something you didn't know. Now I knew that already. Tell me something I don't know, okay? I'd be really happy for that. Tell me something I don't know. I'm really interested in that. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's given the, I mean, if you look at it, the way he's doing it, it's really, you know, he's really, I mean, captured it. Like it's really, even though it's like, he's not the, obviously the best, but he has a, the voice is decent and he's entertaining. He brings in the stuff with the family, this, that, and the other. You get to the detail. Well, I think one, I think when I talked about him talking about George Perez and Byrne, and how them were basically George Perez, like I'm leaving DC, I'm leaving Marvel, so I can fight for Burn from the other side, so I don't have to, to clear the playing field. Where it's like, I think when Perez got the Avengers back, Burn was drawing it, and I guess because he was in the office, they just gave it to Perez. They asked Burn recently why didn't he continue on Avengers? It's like they just stopped sending me scripts. So you know that's how I got off the title. There's like it wasn't any big thing between the two of them. He didn't look at it like that. And it wasn't it burn is x-men burn like i'm and, and running george out of town it's like that sort of things so, yeah that's kind of how we would do it as kids where we feel like prez is just beat down burn with this issue of new teen titans look at the baxter issue compared to the alpha flight where it's just like that stuff and it's like 
no, you know, he actually was going through some health issues, and that's what happened. That's why you see this. Uh, there was a. I mean, there's so much to get into, but it is definitely entertaining. Not to say that it is. He does. And he does. It's not all fictional, but it's like you know, it's heightened. It's very much heightened, and it's entertaining because there's stuff we talked about with Jim Shooter talking about the second Spider-Man and the uh, and the uh, and, and Superman crossover. I saw Superman and Spider-Man. You look, listen to that. We talk about stuff that Jim Shooter has never talked about within his own blog, where he said he struggles with DC, which probably led to Shooter kind of pushing, you know, like hurting Avengers JLA. But say what you said again. You know, I keep complaining about it. You out there buying a three million dollar um, <laughs> this thing? It's already you should have already had it. You're a press fan. If you're a collector, I get it. But it's out there. It's already out there. You should have been. Everyone should have bought this thing. It's like you got. You just drew every character. Even if you don't get into the story, you got Perez drawing like everybody. You had the original four issues. You yes. had a trade. You had a trade paperback that came out years ago, and then you had that deluxe treatment. And and the thing you have to remember, anytime that's published, that's a joint Marvel and DC thing. So you got to hope Marvel's like Marvel and DC getting along is like new edition touring all together. You got to hope the stars align and everybody's in a good mood at that time to get it done. And they got it done no less than four times. <clears throat> no less than four times. And the time that you decided to get in on it was the most expensive one. The most expensive one. That's that's your issue, not theirs. And the other thing is that this one I waited forever to buy the, the, the what's the name, the crisis one. But at the same oh, time, it no, took no, me a while to get Oh. Hold that up. No, like, because you put, Sorry. no, yeah, yeah, right there. So everybody get art on that. That, I got that on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. Art on that is beautiful. And for years, I've got that. And there was a hardcover that came out before that with like a small panel error. Mm -hmm. And I have been, I have got that, I got that signed by Perez a long time ago. Well, not a long time oh. ago, maybe three or four years ago. And I was always debating, like, and that's where you are as a collector, because I have both of them. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying the absolute is better. I should just get rid of this other one because Perez signed it. And, you know, I could probably make some money on the whole thing. And I sit there and I wrap me. This is one of these things that keeps you up at night. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't want to. I said, I know I'm not going to find that again. Signed by Perez. I'm knowing that's never going to happen. But I don't really need it on my bookshelf. I could give this up and give some space. That's when you're in. A, that's when you're a true collector at the end of the day. It was like, look, I got this bevy of riches right over here. And I don't know what to do with it. But that absolute one is the definitive version, without a doubt. Okay, and if you read that and you enjoyed it and you don't have the absolute version, you have no excuse. Okay, I understand that wherever you are, they may have had comments in a 25 cent bin and you were spoiled for 20 years. But that means you had all that money you could have saved up for something big like this and you didn't do that. Okay, so all the money comics allowed you to save, you didn't put it together to give back to something that was really good something that was high quality, you took that money, you probably threw it on some girl who didn't like you in the first place buying a new audition <laughs> ticket. Okay, and as soon as she got to the concert, she, she uh, went off with the security guard. You should have took that money and you should have bought some good comics with it. You saved enough. Well, I want to bring this back home to what we've been talking about, because it does relate. It does relate to say that you guys are historians, right? And you don't go to one source for the information you go to many so don't just go to rob's it is entertaining and then keep researching if you want to know more about stuff ditko said and his feelings go out there and read avenging minds because he talks about dr strange and he talks about plotting it 
and how Stan was writing it, and then Stan gave it to other writers to do the script and whatnot. And then he's like saying, hey, why don't you just let me plot it? I can do that. He talks about that stuff. He talks about a bunch of different things. So it's like you got his thing. Don't hear from someone saying he's just out there flipping out. So there's historians, and you're in, you you get that bug when you first hear you first hear um, Stanley talk about the creation of Marvel, and then you read more, and you hear Kirby's side, then you hear from Roy Thomas, and you hear these articles and all that. It's the same like getting into history. So you don't just stop at one. You go from and keep right. add more. Roy Thomas should always be your stop. That should always be a stop on your information train because there's so much you can gain from reading the stuff that uh, Roy Thomas wrote. And he was there. He was there at the end of the day. He's still alive. You know, he can still speak to a lot of it. He was there. He should still be there. So, it, it, you know, he should be one of your stops. It should not be that, hey, I'm going over here. I like what Rob has to say. I like how Rob delivers this information. That's cool. But that's tuning into Rob Liefeld for a podcast. Okay, that's not being a historian, historian of comics, be it a, a, a novice, okay, an amateur, whatever it may be. That's that's not it at all. That's just going in there, listening to what this guy says, taking it as gospel, and then going about your merry way. No, the podcast at the end of the day is still like this show is still for entertainment overall. You've got to go if you're really serious about it. This is what we did. You got to go read some stuff, read a couple articles. It's not that hard. Start with Wikipedia. They got all the links there. <laughs> Boy, I opened up a can of worms with this particular show. <laughs> I did not expect that at all. You know. So hey, anything else, gentlemen, you want to add before we close this out? And and bash poor Rob. No, nobody's nobody's bashing nobody's bashing Rob, but I, I don't care for history being slanted so you can uh make a so you can make a show or you know you know we can take a take on that we got enough media that does that nonsense you know cnn is already you know they, they're the you know they're already like you know you know top 10 when it comes to this and this right over here should be something that's easy enough to verify hey who created the character well let me see oh it says right there you know stan says it right there it's in black and white 1963 been published several times done 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 that's it Thank you very much, gentlemen. So, hey, if you like what you see, everybody, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, um, comment if, if you find this stuff, whether you like it or whether you find it controversial. Spinarack? Out. Out.